The lectionary is taking us through the book of Mark at the moment, and in chapter 8 at the beginning, Jesus has fed the 4,000 with a few bits of bread and fish, and he's also um, cured a blind man by putting his saliva onto the man's eyes. Um, Two powerful miracles. And the conversation in today's reading takes place just after that, as Jesus and his disciples are on a two-day walk to the next place where Jesus is going to teach. And Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say I am? The thousands who ate the fish and the bread, and, and those who saw the blind man cured, who did they say that I am? And they replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist had already been beheaded at this point, and so either they didn't know this and thought it was him, or else they did know it and thought that John the Baptist had risen and was back with them. More interestingly, some said, you might be Elijah. Elijah had been gone a long time. The Jews were waiting for Elijah to return. The the second last verse of Malachi, the second last verse of the Old Testament says, the Lord says, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And so for the Jews, the return of Elijah would would signify the end days were coming. Just six days after this discussion, actually, we have the transfiguration where Jesus appears on the mountainside with Elijah and Moses. Then Jesus asked the disciples, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the Christ. Simon in Aramaic is Shimon or Simeon, which means he who hears. Simon Peter heard the question and he answered it but not because he'd worked out for himself what the answer was or that that he had some knowledge that the others didn't have and he'd worked, worked this all out. He said that because God revealed himself to Peter at that moment. He revealed himself and said to Peter, this is my son, Peter who hears, heard from God. In our Bible, this section is headed Peter's Confession of Christ, which doesn't tell us much about how that came about. In the Passion Version, of the Bible, the heading is, Peter receives revelation from God, and that's more satisfactory. It's about Peter receiving revelation from God. Matthew 16 describes the same conversation with Jesus, and Matthew reports Jesus saying, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Matthew then said that um, Simon would be Peter, and would go on and build the church. Peter was the first disciple to receive this revelation from God about Jesus. And I wonder if that's how we all become Christians, through some supernatural revelation where God intervenes. You know, some people will analyze the Bible and intellectualize it all and even know it very well, and uh, they'll debate with others, but they don't take that final step of faith. And in order to do that, I think God has to take a step towards that person so that they can step into him. You have to take that step of faith um, eventually and believe. That's the story of C.S. Lewis, who had a huge intellect and a a massive education um, and, and knew and studied the scriptures and knew them, but was an atheist for a long, long time. 
until one day God revealed himself in such a way that he could no longer deny God and deny that Jesus was his son. And of course, he went on to be one of the most powerful Christians of his generation. It's like the disciple Thomas, who was not in the upper room on that Easter Sunday when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And when the disciples said to Thomas, Jesus is risen, he could not believe. And he said, unless I put my hands in the holes in his hand or or see his feet or put my hand in his side, I can't believe that Jesus has risen again. And he then spent eight miserable days separated from God and and wondering what it had all been about until um, Jesus appeared to him. And in John 20, it says that even though the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them and said, peace be with you. And then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds in my hands. Put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourselves. Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Just believe. And then the words spilled out of Thomas, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, you know, Thomas, you believe because you've now seen me, but many people who have not set eyes on me, they believe through faith and they will be greatly blessed. What an absolute joy for Thomas on that day to be in a place of separation and loss and and grief, to be restored by Jesus who looked him in the eye and said, peace be with you. Maybe you remember, if you're a Christian, that first day um, you became a Christian and how in that hour all things changed, the hour you first believed. Um, And I was sure that was in a song and it's an amazing grace, of course, the hour you first believed. I once was lost but now I'm found. It was blind, like the blind man with the saliva, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fear relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Jesus said in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that incredible? You didn't choose to follow him, but God chose you. You are chosen by God. Our prayer for our loved ones who don't believe God and God or have no faith at this time should not be that they suddenly decide to follow, but that God should reveal himself to them in such a way that they can't miss it, that they can't deny that this is the Lord. You can even choose people who are not seeking. They can come out of the blue and one day transform a life. And I think I've shared with you before about a young man in Aberdeen in his late teens who who knew nothing about God, had grown up knowing nothing, no church connection whatsoever, and had a, a pretty rough upbringing. And one day, walking alone through Aberdeen, he said, Jesus revealed himself. Jesus came to him and spoke with him. And he told him to go and find a Bible and to read the Gospels. And when he found a Bible, he realized that he was reading about the man he had met. And he gathered people in his flat, young people like himself, and they started reading the Bible, and they started to pray together, and amazing things happened. And and a lady locally, an older lady, invited them to come to church. You must come to church. And they went to church once, and they continued with their house church. They went to the local church once because they were not meeting um, with Jesus there in a way that they were meeting with him in this flat, in this house church And he was eventually employed by the Church of Scotland. 
um, which doesn't sound oh, an entirely positive thing, but he was, um, he was employed by the Church of Scotland and given a flat in Lothian Road in Edinburgh, and there he had another house church, and he drew teenagers and young people off the streets in Edinburgh and just shared the Bible with them, and, um, and they learned to pray, and he had an amazing ministry. I, I've heard him speak, and um, it's an incredible witness to what God can do with someone who's not seeking, who knows nothing, and uh, God can change that person. Choosing Jesus is not um, an end point, but the start of a new journey. And we'll not always get it right. And in fact, Peter got it spectacularly wrong within minutes of declaring that you are the Son of God, because um, he then thought that Jesus was going to take the wrong path. Jesus opens up his heart to his disciples, and he tells them that he has to go into Jerusalem that he will be flogged and beaten and spat upon and have an illegal trial and he will be put to death and he will rise again. But a suffering Messiah, and certainly not a dead Messiah, was not what the Jews were waiting for. They were waiting for something quite different. Their Messiah would be the King of Israel, like Solomon or David, and he would come in glory and with power and riches. But Jesus had a different kind of glory in mind. He was not coming to glorify Israel, but to bring glory to God and, and, and to, to bring salvation to all of us. But the disciples were genuinely confused and alarmed by what Jesus was saying. Mark records two further conversations that Jesus had with the disciples about this. And at Mark 9, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. And at Mark 10, the disciples remained confused and upset by what Jesus was saying. And Jesus said to them, you don't have a clue. And that's in a modern translation of the Bible. You don't have a clue about what I am saying and what lies ahead. Back to Mark 8, Jesus reveals the path he is to follow, but Peter rebukes him. We're not told what Peter says, but I would imagine he said, no, Lord, that's not the path to follow. Um, that's not the way to go. You will be a great king, um, and, and you will establish a court and defeat the Romans and give us Jews our freedom. You will bring glory to Israel. Peter wanted Jesus to come up with another plan, but Peter had got it wrong. One minute, Peter can speak profoundly about who Jesus is, with revelation and power, and the next minute, he's telling the Messiah off for choosing the wrong path. And not just Peter, but all the disciples thought the same, because we're told that he looked at all the disciples before he rebuked Peter. The disciples saw that their lives would be bound up by the path that Jesus was going to take. They wanted him to take the path um, of, of riding into Jerusalem on a white charger and establishing his court. And that what would that have meant for them? They would have been privileged. They would have lived in the court and had the ear of the king, and they would have had power and influence. That was what they saw um, the Messiah would do. But if Jesus chose the other path, where would that take them? It would not, that it would not lead to the same kind of glory. Jesus rebukes Peter and the others he tells them that if anyone would come after me, they have to pick up their cross and follow me. Deny yourself and follow him. Jesus chose 
the right path, the only path that would give us forgiveness for our sins and peace and hope in our hearts and a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit now and for all eternity. May God bless you if you're walking in that path already and have your hand in his hand. And may God bless you as you carry your cross and get through the ups and downs of this life. If you've not yet um, walked that path with Jesus, then may you do it soon. Why not do it today? Just ask him to come into your lives. And he will do that. He will come into your life and he will walk with you and he will never leave you when you make that decision. I had a vision of Jesus last month when I was sitting quietly and in that vision of Jesus, he was walking ahead of me in a path and he simply turned round and he smiled and he held out his hand. And it was a lovely picture and I hold it um, with me. And he's doing that to you today. He's turning around and he's smiling on you and he's holding out a hand. Will you have the courage and the faith as God draws you towards him to take that step and put your hand in his hand? Amen.